Hello, this is Father David Nix at Padre Peregrino. I'm really happy to be joined tonight by Father James Altman, priest of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. How you doing tonight, Father Jim? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Doing great. Well, we're releasing this on either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. So uh, happy New Year's to everybody. What I'm going to call this podcast is Extreme Ownership, Catholic Extreme Ownership with Father Altman, a New Year's podcast on prep in the interior life and strength of conscience. Like a lot of my podcasts, we're going to look at the bad news. Father Jim and I both agree 2021 is probably going to look worse than 2020. And then how we prep for that. It's not just material. It's not just food and ammo. There's an interior life to prep for it. But why don't we begin in prayer? Father, I'll say the first half of every prayer. You can say the second half. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses and forgive those who trespass and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. James. Pray for us. King David. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. He is, is he not can- a saint? He's St. David. No, he's canonized on both the East and West calendars. Okay. All right. December 24th. I think his feast was last week. I, I saw you pause for that, and I thought, he doesn't think my namesake's a, a saint. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't imagine him not being. I mean, he is, after all, in the line of, of the Savior. Well, and, you know, I think our American whatever, I I hate when people blame everything on Puritanism, but I think our American Protestantism is hesitant to call the guy who did that, you know, when I think people are just as scandalized by his by his wars as his fall with Bathsheba. But no, he's canonized in the East and West calendar. He wrote under inspiration most of the Psalms. So, yeah, um, exactly. He's the same. And, you know, that's the thing is like uh, I read I read an old pre-Vatican II book on the Sacred Heart by Father Matteo. Uh, you remember the yes. priest? Who was, you know who I'm talking about? I do. I have some of his stuff. Father Matteo, yeah. not Ricci. He's not the Jesuit from the 16th no. century. Father no, Matteo. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. So he he's says, a great guy. 80, yeah, he said in this one book on the Sacred Heart, 85% of all saints are penitents. Now, I don't know where he gets that number, but how encouraging is that, that 80, he thinks 85% of the people who made it to heaven had committed a mortal sin, went to confession. Doesn't that show the mercy? Isn't that amazing? Yes. Yeah, well, yes. But, I mean, that is what Jesus came to show us, the divine, the infinite love and forgiveness of the Father. So, uh, yeah, Amen. I'm not surprised that by that yeah. statistic. Uh, I, I think we're all sinners. I think most saints, there are precious few, well, that, only Mary, I mean, that is dogmatic. Only she was without sin. There were some saints like, I mean, up up near you, there is the uh, the apparitions of Our Lady of America that show that Joseph was cleansed of original sin a second after his conception. I heard never, this. You I, heard this? I just heard this recently for the first time. Yeah. So, and never, okay. of course, he never committed a moral sin. Uh, everyone's very clear he never committed a venial sin. But, you know, there's other saints. Like if you read the uh, biography of St. Gemma Gagani, also written by a guy up for canon, I should say a priest up for canonization, he yeah. says St. Gemma Gagani never committed, not only did she not commit a moral sin, she never committed a venial sin voluntarily. Um, so there are some saints, probably John the Baptist never committed any sin either. But he was certainly, 
conceived in original sin, but you know when he was cleansed of it at the voice of Mary. Exactly. So That's he was exactly born. Right. He was born without original sin and never committed a mortal sin, never committed venial sin. But of course, our Our Lady and our Lord are the only two um, who were conceived. Is the incarnation? Do we even call that conceived? Yeah. yeah. But um. Really excited to have you with me, Father Jim, tonight, and a happy new year to everybody who's listening. We're going to cover the bad news like I always do in the podcast and then get on to the encouraging news. Uh, Father Jim is both an ex-steel worker and a civil attorney, so he's got some uh, life experience in the world, but he really went across the grid of the uh, globe by being a very courageous uh, preacher about six months ago in this crazy year of 2020 when we got hit with... Uh, a scamdemic, as Father Jim calls it. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we both admit COVID is real, but I think you were the first priest I ever heard call, call it a plandemic or a span, scamdemic. Yeah, plan-demic, and then, um, pandemic, every other type of demic that they can scare us with. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Um, but I just want to say, Father Jim, I mean, when a lot when a lot of us were losing steam uh, on courage, you just brought us from like, like a, a one to a 10 when we got to listen to you. And you know, you and I were talking off the air. You said a lot of the letters that you get, the number one word you read out there is starving. People were starving for truth, you know. To this and, day, you know, it's, they were st- if they were starving back when I first started getting these letters and the notoriety, uh, it's, I'm getting, still getting the same. You would think we would have figured it out by now that people would start, that they wouldn't be starving because the priests would be doing their job. They would be feeding the people. You, you would think by now they had figured this out. I mean, like uh, Bishop Sticka said to me uh, early on, he said that, okay, they gave the scientists a couple weeks because nobody knew at the time. Well, I think they did personally, uh, but yes. nobody really knew what, what we were confronted with. And the, uh, so, so it gave them a couple weeks just trying to be a good citizen to, to you know, try to keep people safe. But, uh, but, of course, now we're 10 months into it. And like I said, I just said to the people today, listen, if the lockdown worked, why do we need a second one? Exactly. And if it, and if it didn't work, why do we need a second one? That's Same right. For masks. If masks worked, we just had four months of that in Wisconsin. Why are we worried about a spike? Yep. Masks working after two weeks, it should have just taken care of the whole mess. Same for California. I've never seen, they're the most restricted place Yep. For lockdowns and, and masking, um, unless, of course, you're the governor, in which case you can go out to a $350 plate mushroom salad with a dozen people and have a good time. French Laundry. Uh, French, yeah, yeah, that's the name of the place. Odd name, but anyway, uh, <laughs> but out there they're having, oh, spike, 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 spike. They're so worried about it. You know, yes. let's have more lockdowns, let's have more masks. Listen, they don't work. It's a big lie from the beginning that masks work. It is a lie. They don't work. It's a big scam. It's a scam. And you know what also doesn't work? I saw this on Fox News. They now say that the va- the vaccine, which we'll get to later, yeah. we have a lot to talk about on that. Not just, you know, a lot of people only want to talk about the uh, aborted babies lines, and that's absolutely sickening to me. But there's a lot of other things we have to talk about in the vaccine. One thing I put in a blog yesterday, get this, Fox News now quoted some scientist or some research hospital saying the vaccine buys you two months of immunity, oh. which guess what that means? That means it does nothing, just like the masks, just like the lockdown, just right. like the social distancing. So guess what? If none of those things work, and I, I admit COVID's real. I, I know a priest who's been in the hospital. Uh, I, I had a buddy who was in the hospital. It's a real thing. But if none of those things work, 
then guess what we're facing in this country? Communism. Communism. Exactly. That, that, this whole thing is this whole great reset. Right. When I first started hearing that term, I thought, oh, people were just like I could be conspiracy theorists. What does that even mean? Great reset. Well, then as you come to find out what they're trying to do is they are trying to reset the entire globe. And they're doing it by this phrase now that even Rome is now putting out there several times. Build back build better. Back better. Well, you don't build it back unless you destroy it. That's and now right. what are they doing? They're trying to destroy everybody's economy. And that's then, right. And then around the globe, and then they can make us build back, us, build us back in communism. And of course, there's a bunch of stupid people out there who don't seem to know the first thing about communism and what it entails and, and how people suffer underneath it. I don't know how they cannot know. It's just there's, they're ignorant because right. the last hundred years, if it's not, if it's taught us anything, is that communism, socialism is pure evil. Of course, the church has been teaching that for 200 years unequivocally. Um, but yeah, this, so this build back better. When you see the Democrats and Biden, they're saying build back better. They're talking about build back communism. And you know, maybe you heard me talk about it. It's that uh, if you if you give a man a fish, he can eat for a day. If you teach him how to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. What they've done is we we feed ourselves through our work, through our small businesses, through our jobs. We don't need the government handout to eat. We can we can earn the money ourselves. But what they're doing is they're they're just they're just trying to get us dependent upon, like the great, like Johnson did with yeah. the community in 1964, with that great society thing, where he says, I just locked up their vote for the next 200 years. Right, because you give them a handout and they want to hand out the next day and they want to hand out the next day. That's what welfare does. It creates a welfare society. Yeah. That's what they're creating, in essence, a communist welfare society. So that, listen, if, 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 the, if I'm dependent upon the government to eat, I'm going to toe the public, the party line. Because otherwise they won't feed me the next day. They've taken away our ability through this whole lockdown, our ability to work and earn and be like a, a free man. And you can't have a global, you can't have a global government unless you have a global response and you can't have a global response unless you have a global crisis. And yes. And, you know, the climate change thing, it, it, it got people a little worried, but they're still going to drink their Starbucks and throw them out. You know, that right. didn't work because you got to you got to tap people's selfishness. Right. But, you know, I, I think as good Catholics like you and me attack Marxist principles, we recognize this has a lot to do with the eras of Russia, abortion, contraception, women yes. in this place, all this. Exactly. A lot of our listeners realize this, but this is something I've been realizing we need to start bringing home to our Catholic listeners even more on communism. I think in the back of like kind of Republican Catholics, like your mind and my mind, we kind of think, well, communism is not going to be very good for the rich. But, yeah, the poor are going to get their handouts. Let's be really honest. The top five percent become the ultra, ultra, ultra rich in communism. Yes. And the rest, the middle class and the low class become the ultra, ultra, ultra low. So really, this is what's so ironic about every attempt at socialism and Marxism is so it's no wonder the people who own YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, who are already making 500 million, you know, whatever, however many million, yeah. they're going to double, triple that. And what's going to happen is just look at a place like Venezuela. Now they're breaking into the zoo and eating their own animals. Oh, they were God, the God. most they were the most prosperous nation in yeah. South America 50, 20 years ago. And now yeah. they have not just the low class, the middle class is is ultra poor. So this is where I think people like you and me need to start really hammering home on Marxism is what it's going to do is make the 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 rich ultra rich and it's going to make the rest of the nation 
the rest of the world under this global lockdown, literally yeah. starving to death. So we need to yeah. stop saying, well, we conservatives have abortion and they, the communists care about the poor. No, 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 no. If we go down this road of this global, of this global totalitarianism, yeah. we're all going to be eating out of the dumpster here. Right. All you have to do is look at yeah. Faith is going to go the way of the buffalo, too. And that's why this whole ecumenism, this whole <laughs> one world religion kind of an idea, this syncretism that that's being the whole, the Catholic Church is being poisoned with this from people high up. Father, I just want to wind you up. I mean, I think ecumenism is the big poison in the mind of most Catholics. So why don't I just wind you up and let you go on that one? <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, when I was in uh, the only B I got at Mundelein was in ecumenism, and the reason was is the the priest who was supposed to be teaching the class ran off to um, ran off that didn't sound right. He went to Jerusalem or to the Holy Land because he was leading a pilgrimage. So we had a guest person. She she was married to uh, a Muslim, and she was Catholic. And so she was trying to teach us all about ecumenism and go through Nostra Aetate and try and teach us. So I kept asking questions. The only one that did. And uh, and and we just kept going. I think my classmates would just say, just let her just talk and just let's get out of here. Uh, but anyway, uh, in the end, so we graduate. And you know how like in high schools you'll have oh, best couple, best smile, most likely to be president or something like that. So we, we gave out a bunch of humorous awards. Uh, I can't, and I and I came in second to my best friend in preaching. I was I was leading until the very end, I guess. Uh, but anyway, they, they created it. They made up an award for me at Mundelein. And it was most likely to set the ecumenical move, movement back 500 years. <laughs> I, I accept <laughs> that Absolutely. award. Uh, there's no such thing as ecumenism. Benedict said, no, ecumenism means you, you have dialogue with them to teach them why they're wrong and why they should become Catholic. And that's kind of a very straightforward way to put it. No. Ecumenism does not mean, oh, we're all just going to come to some common ground. No. Yeah. Muslims don't believe in ecumenism. No, they do not. You no. ever heard the phrase, they'll kiss your hand or they can cut it off? <laughs> no, no, I haven't heard that phrase. But, but you see, that's the thing is, is I mean, they don't want to meet us halfway, and they shouldn't because we have different religions, you know? Listen, we, they do not worship the same God we do. Nope, and they don't. And it is a lie for anybody in a clerical collar to say that they do. Absolutely. It is a lie. It is diabolical. It's like, like the like – the, and I, I appreciate the Mormons. They have the best family life commercials on TV. But they finally came out and admitted – that their Jesus and our Jesus are two very different people. Oh, did they admit that? They finally admitted it about a decade or so ago. Okay. The president or whatever they call the head honcho there, he finally admitted publicly in their official documents, newspapers, whatever it was, that their Jesus is not our Jesus. Well, they, they either had to espouse a Trinitarian confession or not. And they and they know Joseph Smith did not espouse a Trinitarian confession. So it makes sense they came out and said that. Right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, see, this is basic Catholic stuff. I was I was complaining I was complaining to a friend yesterday that there's a lot of there's a lot of neoconservative priests who are not traditionalists out there, and if they were out with like four or five Baptists, one of their Baptists said, "Hey, 
you know, let's say that, let's say some good, decent priests. Now, I'm not talking like a super whacked out liberal. I think there's a lot of decent priests in this country. If they were out with three or four Baptist friends and one of the Baptists says, hey, Jesus didn't say I am a way, a truth and a life. I am the way, the truth and the life. Right. I think most priests who are friends with me would be a pat him on the back. You're right. You're right. But my fear is a lot of priests, if they were out with, say, three rabbi friends, if a rabbi said, do you think I can be saved? They would kind of hem and haw to find some way that really pushes away the line that Jesus says he is the only way to the Father. You, know, you saw what Bishop Barron said. You surely saw that interview with Ben Shapiro. Yes. So, listen, He's... Bishop Barron, here's what you say to Ben. Well, listen, Ben, you, you asked me that you, know, you said to me that you follow this, the Ten Commandments, you follow the other 603 rules, and you follow them assiduously, and you're a good guy. And you say to me, um, are you are you Catholics basically telling me I'm screwed because I don't believe in Jesus like you do? How about what you do is you say to Ben Shapiro, well, listen, Ben, you're, you're following those 10 rules, the Ten Commandments. You're also following those 603, and you're doing it very with particularity. Are you telling me as, an, as a strict Orthodox Jew that I'm screwed because I don't follow those other 603 rules? Is that what you're telling me? I mean, answer the question with Shapiro the question. Shapiro would say no, sense. but Shapiro would say no to that. He wouldn't care too much. Where we do have to say Jesus is the only way to the Father. Yeah, we, we do have to say that. That's exactly. It's yeah. not just, like Baron said, it's not, he's not just the privileged way. Well, and look at someone like Ben Shapiro. He's looking for courageous answers. I mean, the guy, I, I don't think if, if he had said, sorry, Ben, unless, I mean, think of, think of the Jew next to Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. John chapter three, Nicodemus. Yeah. Um, he comes to him at night, probably because he's too ashamed to be seen with him. He comes to yeah. Jesus at night, and Jesus says, "Unless well, you are born of water and spirit." Of the temple, you know, he, he would <laughs> he would lose his status if he's hanging around with Jesus. Yeah, and Jesus said, "Unless you're baptized, unless you are born of water and spirit." Well, the church fathers interpreted "born of water" as baptism. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if Bishop Barron had given that answer: "Unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God." Right. Do you think Ben Shapiro would have gone back backstage and cried? Oh, he said, "I'm not." No, he would have. He would have said, "Okay, I disagree with you. I think that's right. that. That's a that's a pretty scary proposition. Seems like a pretty narrow way." Yeah, yeah. Jesus said he has a narrow way. Okay, right. and then you know what? The show goes on, and a seed is planted that Ben Shapiro's salvation might be in danger unless he comes to accept the eternal life that only Jesus Christ can offer through the cleansing and healing waters of baptism. First of all, it could save his soul. Secondly, he's not going to go backstage and cry. He's a tough guy. Oh, he's, he's a good guy. I like Ben Shapiro. I hope I didn't try to suggest I don't like Ben Shapiro because I do. Um, yeah. But he, we have to. Here's the thing: the principle of non-contradiction, yeah. right? <laughs> something can't be both true and false. So if something's true and contrary to it is false. So you got you, there. You have sitting Ben Shapiro and a bishop of the Catholic Church. If one is right, the other is wrong. That's just the way it is. So, so to to Ben, I might say, well, you know, you've been waiting two thousand years without really a temple. Because there's no valid sacrifice under the old covenant, you know, uh, uh, the Passover meal, because you don't have a temple. And and there's been no real major prophet. It's been 2,000 years. Maybe you should rethink the proposition. I'm not being snarky. But really, rethink the proposition that maybe Jesus was who he said he was. Well, and, and you know, if it, it's you're in my interlocutors. It's you're in my enemies. I mean, I don't think we we don't make enemies of people, but people don't like what we say and make themselves our enemies. 
I mean, it's you and my enemies who pit Vatican II against the Bible in this stuff. And that's where people like you and me finally have to say, well, if you're pitting Nostra Aetate and the ecumenism of Vatican II against the Bible, then maybe you should reconsider what you built your house on, divine right. revelation right. or something else. So yeah. I think we need to stop being so afraid, you know, because they think that's their joker card. Oh, but it, but ecumenism's in Vatican II. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh if you look at what Providentissimus Deus by Leo the Thirteenth said, the pinnacle of our divine revelation as Catholics is the Bible, and Jesus says, "I'm the only way to the Father." So I'm right. going to quote you a pope quoting the Bible uh, over a pastoral council that doesn't have dogmatic status. Sorry. Plus, frankly, the vast, vast majority of Catholics, probably most everybody else, have not read the Vatican II documents. There's only sixteen. Only four are. Uh, dogmatic and only two are constitutional. Nostra Aetate is under the is filed under pastoral document. It need not be followed like as if it's dogmatic infallible statement because it is not. So and people uh, say don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, but I think if we've been drinking nothing but bathwater for fifty years, the whole bathwater is bad and it all needs to go. <laughs> but let's get back, Father, to uh, to the somebody said that. Who was it? Was it Vigano? The great Vigano said something like I'm that. I'm with him. I mean, I, you know, well, that's the thing is, is um, I think Bishop Snyder would like to salvage certain parts of Vatican II. Vigano thinks the whole thing has to go. I'm, I'm of the blue collar Catholic view of things. Of, if, um, if you fast forward in 500 years, you can't be sifting through something and ha teaching 10 year olds. Well, this was true and this wasn't true and this was true and this wasn't true. If Vigano is correct, then the whole thing has to be trashed so we can return to divine revelation. But we won't go down that rabbit hole because we don't have time. I'd like to talk, Father, about um, a question I put up on Facebook. Um, a uh, any questions for for Father here, and I really like this question. If I can find it, it was from a, uh, a guy named Will Matthews. Said I was going on this show with you, or you were going to be on this podcast, and he says, "Quote: What does Father Altman recommend to faithful who are asked to do things that go against their conscience and formation by legitimate superiors?" And I've been I've been attacked recently myself uh, for saying that um, this vaccine is dangerous. And it's really funny. I said to you off the air, you have all these people who who hated obedience to Benedict the 15th, 15 years ago or 10, whenever, right. you know, 10, 15 years ago. And now, it's ironic, now isn't it? yeah. And now they're scrambling to say Father Nix is disobedient because he says not to take a vaccine. It's like, wait a minute. You guys hated obedience 12 years ago. And now you're right. scrambling to say I'm the disobedient one for saying that, you know, someone wearing a mirror doesn't tell you who has to bend over and take a shot. Like, they, right. that's not even the purview of right. the church. We can say, I medically find that there's a danger. But, but let's get to the bigger picture here. Um, you know, you gave a lot of people courage to, I don't want to say think for themselves, because that sounds Protestant, but to think with the church. This is a term from St. Ignatius of Loyola. You know, St. Ignatius of Loyola, he frames so much of obedience on thinking with the church. And I put on Twitter not too long ago, we are not Muslims who believe in a capricious God where there's no marriage of faith and reason. Uh, we Catholics believe um, that obedience falls in line with the truth. And this yeah. is where you've really lit people's consciences up to say, well, hold on. Um, we have to um, follow God on, on matters of divine law, the church on matters of the magisterium or ecclesial law, and our bishops on matter of particular law. And people like you and me get accused of disobedience for refraining from 
crossing those wires of those three. And this is where I think we need to put those in order to say, no, 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 the Taylor Marshalls of the world, the Father Jim Altmans of the world, they're not disobedient. They are following obedience and order of particular law to your bishop, ecclesial law to the magisterium, and divine law to divine revelation. Maybe I'm kind of answering the question I just I read you, but I'd like to hear your answer on it. Well, I've, so I have this quote. Is this a good time to bring it? I like it. Yeah, you and I were talking off the air about this okay. line from from. I have I'd love if you share that line. Yeah, Father. Okay, so here it goes. So Saint Maximilian Colby is talking about obedience, and this is what he said: Through his representatives on earth, God continually reveals His will to us. Thus, it is obedience and obedience alone that is a sure sign to us of the divine will. A superior may, it is true, make a mistake, but it is impossible for us to be mistaken in obeying a superior's command. Okay, so so good so far. Right? But now watch. This is so key, and people need to understand this. The episcopacy needs to understand this, because some of them, some of them don't, as is obvious. The only exception to this rule is Maximilian Colby now. He's a great saint. Well, we talk about martyrdom. The only exception to this rule is the case of a superior commanding something that in even the slightest way would contravene God's law. Such a superior would not be conveying God's will. So if you command something even in the slightest way that would contravene God's law, here's the deal. What's the supreme law of the church? Salvation of souls. Salvation of souls. Not making sure I don't get a cough or I don't catch a cold or I don't catch a flu or I don't catch what's it, the bubonic plague. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my, one of my heroes, Charles Borromeo, he climbs the top of corpses to anoint somebody at the top who hasn't yet died. Okay. That's our job. Our job is the salvation of souls. Our job is to feed the people, to keep them in a state of grace. It was nothing but an abomination for any shepherd of the church to deny somebody the sacraments of grace, the sacrament of reconciliation, whereby we're back into a state of grace, the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity, which feeds us and nourishes us and strengthens us to deal with the crazy out there. And such such a decision, you're saying, fulfills the line from St. Maximilian Colby of contravening God's law. Absolutely. That absolutely contravened God's law. Absolutely. They They don't like to hear that. Well, tough. I'm not here to make them happy. I'm here to save souls. And how do I do that? As an ordained Catholic priest, how do you save a soul? Hear the confession, give them the Holy Eucharist. Baptize them. Some places wouldn't let you baptize babies. Yes. I had a, uh, a family reach out to me from not too far. I won't say which diocese, but it wasn't too far from where you are. They could not find a single ba- uh, a single priest to baptize their child. I, I texted one priest from the diocese, and he was too afraid. It wasn't your diocese. Not too far from me again. And so I had to walk the dad through a home baptism uh, to get their baby baptized because that, that diocese would isn't not baptize that, a baby. Yeah, Isn't that something? How dare any shepherd of the church tell his priests, you shall not baptize, you shall not hear confessions, you shall not distribute Holy Communion. And don't think the people, this is what they don't seem to get through their heads, right? It's like this group thing that I can't even begin to comprehend. This is what they can't get through their heads. The people understand you've just abandoned them. Mm. They understand. Listen, I have given my life to this church. I have contributed to this church. I'm not just talking financially, right? Time, talent, and treasure. That because, 
And and I I well I've well, done it. I mean I we need shepherds. You I mean the the successors of the apostles of the bishops. So you admit we need them. We just need them to be courageous to do their job. We have some ones. I'm just talking about the ones that abandon the people. That, okay. I mean there are some good ones that did that kept doing all they could do under these stringent requirements of the government, which which were unjust. They kept trying to make sure the people were sanctified, right? But there were some that didn't. And I, you know, I've said this before on a different podcast, but, and this is this is bigger than just the United States. I mean, think of this is, what, this is what people don't realize. We've never had something a global communistic totalitarian overreach reach all seven continents at once. And I put on Facebook before, even I'm sure even Overnight. little scientists in their pods in, in Antarctica have their masks on. Yeah. But imagine this. Imagine some random bishop in southwest India or southeast Argentina or, you know, imagine one bishop just said, you know what? I'm going to go open my, if you're old and you're afraid of catching COVID, don't, you're, you're dispensed from this, right. but I'm going to go offer the holy sacrifice of the mass at the altar and police, if you show up to arrest me, make sure I'm the first person that you arrest and we're going to have everyone come to mass that can. Yeah. If you, if you want the mask on fine, if you need to social distance, fine, but I am going to offer mass for as many people that want to show up. And if you want to arrest someone, come arrest me. Do you realize if any government came and drug a bishop off of his altar at mass, what that would do, not just to his diocese, not just to his state, not just to his country, but to the entire world of bishops, of priests, of lay people. It would give people so much courage to see one guy drug off the altar. The only place there'd be mass is in prison with him because every Catholic would throw themselves in prison with him to make sure that they get to stand next to him. I mean, if one person had said, if one bishop in the world said, I'm going to put the Son of God in the Eucharist before a flu with a 99.92% survival rate. (laughs) Exactly. The whole diocese would follow them. Yes. And the whole nation, the whole world would follow them. Look how many didn't, though. They did not put the salvation of souls primary. And, and did not stand up. Look at the government in England said to the bishops, we're giving you an exemption. And the bishops turned it down. Me, the government, like for instance, should laugh. none of this is funny. This is this is a sign of the great apostasy. Honestly, oh, it's a great apostasy. The so the, the bishops in most not all of them, but some of the bishops in Texas, the government, the governor said, I'm giving you an exemption. I got, I'm giving an exemption to Walmart. You can have a thousand people in Walmart at a time here. But I'm, so I'm going to give you an exemption, a similar exemption, and and the bishops turned it down. Well, if I was a parishioner in that diocese, I tell you, that'd be the last penny I ever sent to that bishop, that church. You've abandoned me in my time. If if it was even remotely as dangerous as as they try as this whole fear demic has created in us, all the more reason why we should be out there saving souls. And I, I can cut this lives. out if this is going to get you in trouble with the state. I can cut this out before production. But off the air, you told me you've given 40,000 holy communions to people on their knees without masks at your little church in your little yeah, diocese since, since all this yeah, started. Over the past 10 months, I, I, I'm averaging, I think, about a thousand a week, um, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on if school's in session or not. And um, so, yeah, I'm not a fr- Listen, I'm, I'm 62. I've had a heart attack. I've had bad lungs since birth. If I am an at-risk person, I'm not listening. I'm not going to live my life as a coward. 
That's right. This is what this really comes down to. I mean, you and I were ordained for one thing. It's the salvation of souls, you know. Now, if you look in, you know, there's a guy named Holton, a priest named Holton Hauser from, I think, the 16th or 17th century. And he he lined out the uh, seven ages of the church. And so there's yeah. a lot of people that go to the Latin mass who say we appear to be at the end of the fifth age of the church because there's a there's a mini tribulation and a mini apostasy, which then leads us into an era of peace, which does admittedly line up with Fatima and then but that that Eric piece I think they say is gonna be about 100 years and then you have the Antichrist and then you have the end of the world and a lot of people go to the Latin mass maybe you've never heard of Holtenhauser but you know the seven er eras of the church do line up with Fatima however part of me thinks if this is the small apostasy and the you know the minor apostasy then what's the major good apostasy and this is where I'm like you father I think if you look globally at how many Catholics do not have supernatural faith, I think this looks like the great apostasy, not the minor apostasy. When 70% of Catholics no longer believe in the real presence, whose fault is, listen, I said, so I said to somebody, so I said, well, do, you, I think, do you think all the priests believe in it? Do you think all the bishops believe in it? The real presence, the body, blood, soul, and divinity? I said, look at them around the tabernacle, if the tabernacle is even up there. Right. right? Watch them around there. You're going to know the ones who know who's inside there and those who don't. Yeah. So is it anyone, listen, 70% don't fall away from belief in the real presence unless there's a certain percentage of the shepherds who also don't believe in the real presence. And you can tell this because it's like, it's the old, uh, you know, when they adopted the Protestant playbook from 500 years early about how to destroy belief in the real presence, communion in the hands, right? That's right. And yep. instantaneously after Vatican II, Suddenly, everybody's waltzing up the center aisle, grab and go, like at McDonald's. Yeah. Drive. That's so exactly. that absolutely destroyed belief in the real presence. You know, what? where I knew that I, we can give thanks to God for the parents that we have, the the or the, the examples in our life. My mother knew she was receiving Jesus. There's, mm. Listen, I can see it. To the, she's 88. Like when you see her receive Jesus, she knows who she's receiving. Yeah. I was behind her at the communion line and and she approached with tender reception in, in mm. her hands. That was the only way you could do it, right? Yep. They got rid of all the communion rails. And after she received, she licked the palm of her hand. Now, this before long before I was even this was even on the horizon. Yeah. I thought to myself, Well, that's pretty hardcore. I know she believes. Yeah. So then I thought, how about if I say this? <clears throat> all you shepherds of the church that think communion in the hand is a-okay listen i i spend a great deal of time purifying my fingers purifying the patent purifying the saboria to make sure there are no crumbs uh making sure we use a patent to make sure crumbs don't fall on the floor because we do believe it's the real presence and i don't know how many times you've seen it there's crumbs on that patent and if you oh, sure. every mess every yeah, mess between communions, I brush my fingers together over the sepoyan because I can feel particles on my finger. So that means there's particles in those people's hands. Right. Tell the people, if you if you insist on receiving in the hand instead of on the tongue, which actually is safer according to the Catholic Medical Association, you don't hear the bishop saying that. If 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 receiving in the hand is a okay, and you, but that's the that's the real body, blood, soul, and divinity, and you see crumbs there, lick your everybody, lick your palms after you receive, right? Now, you say that. Now, here's what they're going to say. That's disgusting. Why right. is it disgusting? Because my hands are dirty. Oh, really? Then maybe why you should <laughs> reconsider putting Jesus, the Son of God, in your filthy hand. Especially during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, you, well, you got me right. But did you intend to get me riled up? It's every man's job to get his own family to heaven right now. And so I want to kind of shift gears in this in this podcast. I'm going to call it Catholic Extreme Ownership. Yeah. Surprised you hadn't heard of Jocko Willink, but you're too busy saving souls. Jocko Willink is for any <laughs> listeners out there who don't know who he is. He's a um, Navy SEAL who's also the the trainer for the Navy SEALs, probably number two male podcast in the world. I've been listening to him a lot, and he's got a his whole shtick is you got to take responsibility for your life. Yep, you've been dealt some hard cards in life, um, maybe even really unfair cards in life, um, but you you still have free will, and you can still make your decisions. And so as I was listening to this and praying about our podcast today, I thought. Let's call it Catholic extreme ownership, because I think it's very easy for traditionalists and conservatives at the Novus Ordo to throw their hands up and say, we've been abandoned. <clears throat> we don't have the sacraments like we want. We know we don't need a mask, a mask to go to mass. We wish that people would be courageous. OK, I agree with all of that. I even like reading church militant and stuff with all the bad news. Like, I, I believe they're reporting accurately at LifeSite News and church militant and stuff. Um, but I think... What I'd like, where I'd like to go with this podcast is how do we prepare internally for 2021? You and I were talking off the air. We think 2021 is going to look worse than 2020, probably in the church and the state. And there's a lot of people threatening to leave the Catholic Church. They're looking at the leadership and they're saying, I'm just going to go Eastern Orthodox. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And there's a lot of people who are really hurt at the lack of leadership. I don't want to get down the rabbit hole of what people always say to them. Don't leave Jesus for Judas, blah, blah, blah. They've heard all that. I want to get people ready in the interior life. What do people yeah. need to be doing? Yeah. The, um, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you, how I call it, uh, building our spiritual ark. Because if the storm's coming, and Jesus told us, Jesus the Lord himself told us, that it, in the end times, it's going to be, nobody's going to believe it's coming. It's good, everybody's going to be partying, drinking, marrying, getting married, whatever. And, and, then, and then the rains are coming. Mm -hmm. So you, we build an ark, just like Noah did, but in the spiritual ark. It's, or or another, another parable he used was um, when, the, when the lamps, the, the wise virgins, filled their oils with lamp, their lamps with oil. So what we are supposed to be doing is every day filling our putting more oil in our lamp and how you can do that well i i think it takes personally an hour a day and that's why jesus said to the apostle can't just can't you just be with me for an hour the um Fulton sheen also had a lot to say about that holy hour uh yes every talk he ever gave on priests mentioned oh, the holy hour. glorious yes so it, if you want us if you're really concerned about your eternal soul but where are you going to spend eternity, which is a very long time compared to our short time on Earth? Then how about you actually, how about you have some evidence to that effect? And how you do that is obviously prayer, reading sacred scripture, reading lives of the saints, spending time before the Eucharist, spend time before that tabernacle. And, and every city probably has one place you can go where there's, adoration of some sort sure or at least the the church is open where you can go in and you can spend some time before the tabernacle that there is something about being in the presence of the real presence yeah. that radiates us in in and transforms us you know in, in that one song battle hymn of the republic it says in the beauty of the lilies christ is born across the sea with the glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me we can the only way we're going to get that transfiguration is it 
is is through his through his presence to yeah. spend time in his presence there's there's and you know after what after 9 11 right all of a sudden a lot of people were flocking in the churches that lasted about three months mm-hmm. okay and oddly enough now with this scaredemic this fear-demic the one place where we could have gone churches were locked i, I i'm telling you there will i till my last dying breath i'm just going to be incredulous that anybody thought that was a good idea you know first of all the, the power of the government ends at my front door Absolutely. you have no power inside this church governor you have zero power it, can can we get bishops to speak up about that I haven't heard too many. Well, you know, I, I, I had said 30 minutes ago, let's leave Vatican II behind, but let's talk about that real quick. I mean, from the documents on religious liberty, what that accidentally or possibly purposely did is essentially say all religions have a right to exist. Okay, I can understand staving off human persecution with that, but here's the problem. Do rights come from man or from God? Well, if rights only come from God, then only Catholicism has a right to exist. Now, that doesn't mean we pull out the, the head screws, and it, and it certainly doesn't mean even in the Middle Ages that uh, that, that they tortured and killed and that, that an individual didn't have a freedom to be a Jew or a Muslim. In fact, if you look at the Inquisition, it was those who had faked conversion and had a, a double event like that that were brought to the Inquisition. So it was only several thousand people. So when yeah, I say I'm against, very, when I say I'm against, what's that? Yeah. Inquisition. Yeah. There's only a few. There's a big lie. In England's kings and queen, Henry VIII and Elizabeth I, they killed way more people in Absolutely. their reigns of terror than the Inquisition ever dreamed of. And in fact, when, when the Inquisition, maybe you heard this before, when, when, the, when the Spanish royalty abolished the Inquisitional courts, people rioted because the Inquisitional courts actually were more fair. They got a defense attorney. They had a, the court transcript. You, yeah. you could... You could apologize, and it was. Yeah. And the closer you were to Rome, the more chance you had of a fair trial on a lot of those things. And I, I, I have to, uh, I'd have to Google this, and I can't do this on a live or like nearly live podcast. But I've heard that 500 years of the Inquisition, the amount of people killed in 500 years of the Inquisition is equal to one day of communism in any decade of the 20th yeah. century. One day, and I mean, yeah. I, I don't mean to make like make light of like killing. 500 people over 500 years or 500 right. people being killed in communism. I mean, we don't want anybody dead, of course. But right. back to this topic real quick on, on sure. humanism. Um, I don't believe in religious free, freedom or I don't believe in religious liberty because error doesn't have rights. Now, individuals have rights. I'm not promoting forced conversions. The Catholic Church has never promoted forced conversions. However, if we can stand up and say that error has no rights and that the new understanding of religious liberty is wrong— Guess what was one of the effects of that? One of the effects of this was sinking the social reign of Christ the King, because now, by insisting on a separation of church and state, which the church has always pushed against, remember, the church has condemned the separation of church and state, they're distinct but not separate. Well, guess what happens? As soon as you say that there's an absolute separation of church and state, guess who gets to bully who? It's definitely not the church bullying the state. It's the state bullying the church. So I would yeah. say one of the effects of the modern understanding of religious freedom. Now, I don't think most of the bishops who locked down the churches were thinking of the documents of Vatican II. But one of the effects of the modern understanding of religious freedom is the separation of church and state, in which case the state is the bully of the church, in which case 
we cannot stand up for the what's right. I mean, imagine in the 16th century Spain, if some prefect of a town like in Valladolid had gone to a bishop and said, you're going to close your church, he'd laugh in his face. Yeah. He would laugh in his face. You have Not only do you have no power here, uh, even at the secular level of the state, we, the church, have some power. It's not, it's not absolute. The church didn't rule the state, but they had yeah. some say in it. So once yeah. you say that there's an absolute separation of church and state, guess who becomes the bully? It's not the church. Right. It's the state. You know that there's the people. So I'm, you know, if I'm disappointed in anything in the people, it's that so many know so little about anything. It's I call it the, a lot of people. They a lot of people have a lot to say about a lot of things they know nothing about. One of which is the Constitution and the separation of church and state. What that really even means. That's right. And, and all it meant was. Federal government could not command anybody to belong to any particular religion. It, Reagan had a great quote about it. It isn't that we couldn't, that it wasn't so that the government could tell us we can't pray. It's so that the government could not tell us we could not pray. Something like that. But so it's not even in the Constitution, is it? It's, it was a letter from Jefferson to a Baptist church or Baptist community. It's not right. even in the Constitution. Yeah, and he wasn't even at the Constitutional Convention. You know that. He was in France that whole summer of 1789. So being like yeah. a, like a, what do you call those things? Ambassadors. Yeah. So, um, no, that the, all it is, the whole point of it was that the federal government would not be allowed to institute a state, a, a federal religion that everybody had to follow or be persecuted. It was simply yeah. to keep the government away from us. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, and so we. Not to keep us away from the government. We're entitled to influence the government and we yeah. should be. And we've been seeing some of some of these SSPX priests have been winning these lawsuits. Uh, Father Robinson up in New Jersey said it publicly. This is in secular news that his parish has doubled since he took on yeah. the government. I think there was an yeah. SSPX priest in uh, in Los Angeles. I think he may have won. I know um, who's the uh, who's the Fatima lawyer who goes to an FSSP parish in in Virginia. He went up to New York and represented priests, maybe even some rabbis. Um, he wrote the Fatima books. I can't remember his name, but he's he won some great things. So the funny thing is, when we stand up for this, we're winning some of these battles. Yeah. And if if the if the USCCB spoke with one voice and simply said, "You shall not restrict us greater than you're restricting the Mall of America," not it, nor any more than you're restricting Walmart, do that done if that's right there was no way that but but the, but they didn't they the government like i said in texas so many the governor said you're all exempt churches you can just be sensible and they turned it down many of them down well and this is this is why this shows this isn't about the virus it's a real virus granted there are there are people dead god rest their souls i always say in my podcast i pray for them at this altar behind me those who died of covid but the fact, and see, no one's really answered. We're in such a fast news cycle. Everybody said in March, wait a minute, you closed the churches, but not the abortion center. And then we moved on to the next point. No, no, no. Yeah. We still haven't answered that point. Why Exactly. Why exactly. are there still it's, restrictions on churches and not abortion centers? There's, one, there's a Planned Parenthood, too, what, like one block up the street here. Yeah. That, that never closed down. Yep. Well, and I mean, and I was reading something in Secular News the other day. They had some health official inspect airplanes and say there's officially no chance of getting COVID on an airplane now. Oh, so you've done your research that airplanes, which we call germ tubes, are immune from COVID, but churches are not. And I mean, 
Yeah. How is it just a There's couple? There's a really good meme. There's a really good meme to that. It shows an airplane packed with everybody on their masks, right? Yeah. And the, the church is like massive church is totally empty. Oh, I did see that meme. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's like, yeah, really? I mean, it's such a joke. Anybody mm-hmm. with a brain, anybody who uses brains God gave them can see it for what it is, the farce that it is. Sure, there's something going on out there. You know what? For all of humanity, there's been pestilences. 70,000 people were, died of a pestilence under King David because he yeah. was an idiot at one point. And now so, he's a saint. He's a saint now. Right, now he's a saint. So I, that's why I clarified that. At one point, <laughs> he, you know, so he admitted it. He said, you know, he, what, he wanted a census so he could collect more tax. God said, okay, right. now it's time to punish you. Uh, listen, you, like uh, Penn Gillette said, no, 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 it was Bill Mayer. Bill Maher? How do you say his Bill name? Bill Maher. Maher? Okay. Yeah. He said, people, you just need to understand you cannot sanitize the universe. Okay, so, yes. yep, there's deep pestilences. There's a certain people that are going to fall victim to it and die. You know what? Well, if we're faithful, we believe that, well, so what? We're going to a better place. That's right. right. You know, and, and I'm, okay, be in a state of grace when you go. But the fact of the matter is, is you can't eliminate the curve right so the whole point of the whole lockdown in the beginning was one reason one reason alone like you were saying they 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 skipped to the next point and said wait a minute we're still here yes it was the whole point of it was to flatten the curve never to eliminate the curve you cannot eliminate the curve and the longer you drag it out the more destruction you do to the entire globe which is what they're trying to achieve in the first place but people are too stupid they don't ignorant i should say ignorant they're completely ignorant. They haven't done their homework, and, and they're going to get what they deserve. And you it's, know, like, Father, it's like First Samuel 8. What does that say? It says, remember, the people want Samuel t- told them, listen, oh. God's trying to tell you, you don't want a king. No, 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 we got to have a king. Everybody around us has a king. We need a king, too. No, you don't. He's going to do all these things, A, B, C, D, and E, and whatever, right? Yeah. The people, no, got to have a king. So God told Samuel to tell them, okay, you're going to get your king. And when he does these things, and you're going to cry out, and on that day, the Lord is not going to listen to you. That's almost a quote. They're not so, rejecting you, know, you. Is this the same quote? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Yes. Yes. So, right. you no, know, and I, I have two thoughts. <laughs> not, we're relying on, you know, do I want Governor Evers to make decisions about me? Do you, do you know that? Well, I, we could be here. Well, no, so I got two thoughts on that, Father, just to build on what you're saying. I did a podcast recently by myself on this. And I, for the longest time, I thought that the, these governors, these liberal governors, these liberal mayors were essentially trying to make us believe false information. But the more yeah. I studied communism, the more I realized they don't want us to believe false information. They want us to know they're lying, but to be too humiliated to speak up. Ah. That's, that's how communism works. One, yeah. And if you study how Russia works, there came a point where – Everybody knew they were lying, and the and the government knew that the people knew they were lying. Yeah. But they had they had they had believed this, or at least had faked into believing it so long that the one person who stands up for the truth is so humiliated uh, yeah. for saying it. Or here's the other thing: or you're even worse, more more wickedly humiliated by not speaking up and saying it. Right. Yeah. So even if you got taken off to the gulags. And this came from uh, Live Not By Lies by Rob Dreher. He says, the person who chooses not to live in a lie refuses to live in a lie, which which, which is really difficult for everybody around him because then everyone around this person sees the truth exists. That I, even if this person's hauled off to a gulag, 
it, it shines light on all these other lies yeah. that, again, we have a, a virus. Yeah, uh, it, it, there, there's people I know who are sick and there's people who've died, but at a 99.92% survival rate. Yeah. You know what, Father? Let's say this was the Black Plague, though. Let's pretend like it is for a, real, a minute. Like that wiped out, I think, in the 15th century, a third of Europe. Let's third. let's pretend yeah. for a second we do have the Black Plague. Yeah. What is the last enemy that Christ has conquered, according to Saint Paul's Epistle to the Hebrews? Death. Yeah. Death. Yeah. Is the last enemy to be defeated. You know it. You're just late. Yeah. You've been done a lot there more time. Yeah. But but I mean, here's the thing: is like. Do we still close the churches and confessionals even if we had the Black Plague? Yeah. I don't no, think no, so. I don't think so. Not to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've got to save their souls. That's exactly. our job. Exactly. Yeah. Medicine you, is, so remember what we were just talking about? Well, the, the people are too embarrassed to yeah. actually admit the truth because then they have to admit they were wrong. So let, ask yourself a question. This, this occurred to me when you're saying that. What? shepherd of the church is going to stand all in front of all his flock and say yeah i was dead wrong to lock the churches on me i was dead wrong because i didn't fulfill god's command at ordination to shepherd you into holiness and into eternal life what when they realize because you see when they realize they've erred and they've made a grave mistake by letting the people think they've abandoned them in their time of need, yeah. how are they going to stand up? How many people will have the inner, and I can tell you who it is, will have the inner courage to stand up in front of all the people and say, I was wrong and I, I'm sorry. You know, people are very forgiving. You mean really like when churches are still locked down in 20 years? Because we're literally talking about a virus vaccine cycle that's going to be, if Christ doesn't return oh. soon, it's unending, right? It's so unending. It's absolutely talking, unending. We're it's, not talking yeah. 2022. We're talking 2042 that this could possibly yeah, happen. Yeah, right. Wait a minute. Yeah, it's 2042 and the churches are still locked down? I know. Right. right. But yeah, so finish your, who's going who's gonna to apologize for that? We actually would say it because he said it. Was Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas, when in his tweet he said, my shame is that I didn't say what Father Altman said sooner. Wow, he is so humble, so loving of his people. Great. So concerned for their eternal salvation that he was even willing to humble himself by saying that publicly. And, you know, I remember he was the only one I saw that there might have been others. but when this whole denying people confession was mm. going on. I sat in that, in my, in, I, I did it in my sacristy because it was bigger open and you could have yeah. distance. But there were times when I sat there three, four hours hearing confessions. A lot of people that they weren't my parishioners, but yeah. apparently nobody else was listening to some, so many other places were not listening to confessions. So um, the, he was the only, Bishop Strickland, was the only one that I saw, came out publicly and said, you priests of the world. He wasn't just talking about his own priest. Mm. He said, you priests of the world, get in your confessionals and hear those people's confessions. That's your job. Awesome. Well, that's I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he yeah. said. And, and that strongly. He's urging the, the priests of the world because, because this is a world shutdown. It is just amazing to me yep. that, you know, that, 
there was, uh, they've been planning this for about 100 years. And when you think about mm. Leo the 13th's vision and the St. Michael prayer and how uh, Satan said, I need, a, I need 100 years of more power. They, they have been planning this, the powers that be, the true puppeteers at the top. They've been planning this. And remember back in, was it 50s? David Rockefeller said what he said. He said, listen, we've, if people, people have accused me and my family of having too much money, too much power. We're against the interests of the United States, and we really want to set up one world government. And, and if that is what I'm accused of, I plead guilty, and I am proud of it. And I'm glad the newspapers, he also said another point, he said, I'm glad the newspapers, all the media, didn't knew about it, didn't say anything. Because if, if they would have cast a spotlight on us and people would have seen what we were up to, we wouldn't have been able to accomplish what we've been trying to accomplish. And then he said, and we just need the right global crisis to establish the one world government. So he said that. That's 50 years ago. Wow. They had been, that is how overnight, overnight in March 2020, the globe was shut down because and they you know, had. And I want to highlight that it's really not an exaggeration. I think everyone's focusing on Trump and all. And I'm, I'm really glad you spoke up in favor of Trump because I'm a big fan of Trump also. And I still don't think it's over for him. But we'll talk about that in a minute. I don't think we really realize how global this is. I mean, I, I've done some mission work in India. People reached out to me. I can't remember if I knew him in real life or they just found me on Facebook. But uh, they were in Calcutta. A guy, a bunch of his friends, they really, really needed confession. I sent them to where I thought would be like the most orthodox place in, in all of Calcutta. And they went in there and the priest said to their faces, a bunch of guys who really, really needed confession. I think these guys were in their early 20s. Yes. Said face to face to him, I can't hear your confession. It'd be invalid because my bishop said no, because the governor said no. To his face, right there. What do you do with that? That's global. That's I'm global confused. shutdown yeah. of the whole, as the French would say, raison d'etre of the Catholic Church. The salvation of souls, the supreme law of the church. You hear the confessions. Uh, Happy New Year to you all. Thank you so much. You know, Father Altman's had a much longer day than me. And I was really convicted, Father, when you said you're going to go before God just on empty as a libation, that you can't do more work. And I know you didn't mean that as a as a, a bragging statement, but it really struck me in my own heart to say um, I need to start moving this from second gear to fifth gear on all this. So, Father, would you give us your blessing for the new year? I, I certainly will. Uh the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And through the intercession of St. Tarsisius, defender of the Holy Eucharist, unto martyrdom. Through the intercession of St. Joseph, the workman, guardian of the Holy Eucharist. And through the intercession of Our Lady, Queen of Heaven, Mother of the Holy Eucharist. May Almighty God bless you all. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Father. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right. God bless.